So I want to start today, I'm going to tell you a story about my dad. My dad is a guy named Mike Martin, and my father is an awesome guy, love him to death. And my dad, honestly, is really one of the smartest people that I know. Uh, he is incredibly intelligent. He's a lawyer. Just He just seems to kind of know everything. And I did not get my the intelligence gene from my dad. My sister did. I wish I had. Uh, he is just so, so smart. I did get the dominant gene of good looks in my family, but not the brain so much. When we were little, my family, we used to watch Jeopardy, and my dad, no kidding, he would just get almost all the questions right every time we watched it. I couldn't believe it. And my sister and I used to beg him, like, Dad, please go on Jeopardy and win some money. He'd always be like, no, I'll never win. And we're like, you really will. Michelle and I watch Jeopardy, and if I get like three questions in a game, I feel like I am so smart. Uh, we have this ongoing contest of Final Jeopardy, uh, who gets it right. I'm leading right now two to one, and uh, I'll let you know how that ends up. So uh, every, every time Final Jeopardy, we're like, here we go. We usually get it wrong. That's why it's two to one. So, uh, <laughs> you know. But anyway, so my dad is really, really smart. And something that my dad does is just kind of a funny thing about him. He'll ask me all the time. He'll say, like, Haynes, do you know much about so-and-so? And he'll be asking about, do I know about this historical event, when it was, why it happened? You know, he'll just ask me, he's like, you know, do you know much about the Peloponnesian War? I'm like, no, of course, like, of course I don't. And he'll say, or do you know why Da Vinci made his giant crossbow? I'm like, Dad, I don't even know what we're talking about. But he'll ask me those kind of questions. And he'll usually follow it with, well, it's important. You should learn about it. And I'm like, okay, I'll get on it. Um, but he does. He, he, he knows so much history, and he knows the importance of dates and events, and he's always asking me that. And I usually respond like I just told you and showed you, but usually I'm like, all right, Dad, I don't have a lot of time to brush up on the Battle of Stalingrad or what Mary Todd wore to Lincoln's funeral. Like, I just, I, I don't know, and, but I'll see what I can look into. But... He asked me that all the time, and so I guess what I would say about that is I appreciate my dad's sense of the importance of history and knowing events, historical events, why they matter, why they happen, and things like that. You know, and there are certain you know, events in human history that are incredibly important, just to name a few, things like the Renaissance or the invention of the printing press, the Reformation, the abolishment of slavery, World War I or II. You know, those are just a handful of super important events we should know. But for us as the church, there are certain events that happen in the life of the church that are important to us that we should know. You know, and there are obviously the big ones. You know, Good Friday is the most important event for the church. It's actually the most important event in human history because all of history centers upon that. You know, then you would say Easter is next, and then Christmas, and even Pentecost is important. But one day that is actually really important for the church that I think a lot of times can kind of get overlooked or maybe just kind of forgotten is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is a really important day in the life of the church and for Jesus followers, which is what we are. And so today we're just going to talk about Palm Sunday, what it is, what happened that first Palm Sunday, and why it matters. You know, what would God say to us today in our lives from that day 2,000 years ago? So that's what we're going to talk about. And so if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 21. And it's printed in the bulletin, and it's up on the screen behind me. But this is the story of Palm Sunday, starting in verse 1 of Matthew 21. 
It reads, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with a colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, riding gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The disciples that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Um, If you would, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much, God, for today and what it means, what it means for our lives now. And Lord, we thank you for this entire week that's coming up, Lord, as we look to your cross and your resurrection, Lord. I just pray, Lord, for those of us in this room who maybe don't know you yet or aren't following you, I pray this week that the truth of your gospel would penetrate hearts. And Lord, for those of us who do know you, God, would you encounter us again with the cross and at the tomb in a fresh way. Lord, I pray that you would speak right now and change us by your word and your grace. Lord, nobody needs to hear from me. They would pray that you would speak. God, that your words would penetrate our ears and our hearts. And Lord, anything I say would quickly be forgotten. Lord, that it would fall to the ground as dust and become rain. And Lord, we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things that's really interesting to me in our culture today in America is this really, it's just kind of interesting to me, this deep interest and kind of borderline obsession that Americans have with the British royal family. Like, I'm fascinated by it. But we as a country, we're just so into the British royal family. You know, we talk about them on the news, we talk about them on talk shows, we post about them on social media, and we're just into it. I don't know what it is. You know, like when uh, Prince William married Kate Middleton, we all went crazy about that. And then they had a baby, we went crazy about that. And then Prince Harry served in the British military, which I think is actually pretty cool of him. And then he's now marrying Meghan Markle, and then we went really crazy about that, that that was somehow just a scandal, or I don't know, I don't really get it. And so we're just into them. Like, I remember growing up, we were into Diana and Charles. My mom loved Princess Diana. And so we have just always been into the British royal family. We even have TV shows that we watch, The Crown, The Royals. We are just, we're into the royal family. There's nothing wrong with that. I just find it kind of curious because obviously in America, we do not have a monarchy. We live in a republic. We choose and elect our leaders, and if we don't like them, we vote them out. But we are just into the monarchy in England somehow, even at a distance. And I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if it's just they're celebrities and we think they're cool. I don't know if it's because they represent kind of this fairy tale life of kings and queens and castles and all that. Maybe it's the cool castles. I've been to some of their castles, and they are dope, I'm telling you, and I get it. But we're into it. But I kind of wonder if there's a deeper issue, and I just kind of, I'm curious if it's this. I wonder if there's something in us, in each one of us, that is somehow drawn to the idea 
of living for a king and a kingdom. You know, there's something kind of innate in us that is drawn to the idea of having a king and living in a kingdom. And I wonder if that's the reason we're kind of drawn to the British royal family and knowing what's going on with them. When I was 10 years old, my family and I, we actually took a trip to England. And, you know, we visited all the kind of royal monarch tourist sites. You know, we went to Buckingham Palace. We went to Windsor. We went to Kensington Palace and some other places. And at Kensington Palace, um, we went there, you know, we toured the house. And there's, it's like a big property with lots of uh, yard and land. And there's a big pond there. And so my dad and I, I guess we just wanted to be like obnoxious American tourists. We brought our baseball gloves, so we threw out a baseball at Kensington Palace, which looking back on it is not very, you know, proper or whatever. And so we're outside, we're throwing the baseball. And in the course of running around and throwing, um, this is a true story, I actually fell into the pond at Kensington Palace. And uh, it was really, really embarrassing. And so I'm glad there were no iPhones or YouTube or social media back then. There's no footage of it. Uh, there's probably a security camera at Kensington that the security guards laugh their heads off at me. But I fell in the pond. But I just remember that trip and visiting those homes and everything. There was something about, even then, like having visited the palaces and gotten to study the monarchy and even being soaked in royal lake water, there was something like, yeah, I'm really drawn to this idea of a king and a kingdom. So I think there is something in us that is drawn to that that we kind of want to live for a king and a kingdom. Now, Matthew chapter 21, this scripture that we read, this is the story of the first Palm Sunday. And this account is all about the story of a king and his kingdom. That is what Palm Sunday is about. It's about a king and his kingdom. So in this story, Jesus and his 12 disciples, they are on their way to Jerusalem because Jesus knows he's about to die. You know, he came to the earth to die on the cross, and he knows that time is right on the cusp and so they are headed to Jerusalem for that and then Jesus tells two of his disciples he says okay you guys go up to this village you're going to find a donkey and a colt bring them to me um, you kind of read that it seems like Jesus kind of stole them but he didn't um, in another gospel account he says that and some guy's like why are you taking those and the disciples say the Lord needs them he goes oh okay and so they bring Jesus this colt and this donkey and so what happens was the disciples put their cloaks on the donkey and the colt, and Jesus sits on the donkey and rides into Jerusalem. And it's pretty cool what happens because this incredible, like, parade slash welcome party takes place in Jerusalem. I mean, the whole town just explodes with excitement. There are people lining the streets. The people are throwing their coats on the ground so Jesus' donkey can walk on them. They're cutting down branches of trees. Um, and worship for Jesus and land them on the road. That's why we had our kids come in and wave palm branches. And they're singing and glorifying Jesus. They're saying, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna to the son of David. It's just really what this is. This is just this crazy, cool street party that erupts. And what's going on here, the deeper meaning of this, is Jesus is announcing finally, without any question, without any equivocation, he is announcing and by writing in Jerusalem like this, that he is a king and he has a kingdom. And that is the point of Palm Sunday, is the proclamation and the declaration that Jesus is a king and he has a kingdom. What's going on here in Matthew 21? This is Jesus' inauguration day. And everybody there who saw that would have known what was going on. Now, the reason we know that Jesus is announcing his kingship and his kingdom is this. Number one, he rides to town in on a donkey. Now, this is important. 
kings don't walk anywhere. All right, they ride an animal. And this is the only account in Scripture that we have of Jesus ever riding anything. He either walked everywhere or he took a boat. But here he rides a donkey, and this is a kingly thing to do. This is a big deal. There's also, it included in our scripture, there's, this was prophesied by Zechariah in Zechariah 9, that the king, the Messiah, would come into Jerusalem on a colt and a donkey, and that's what Jesus does. The second thing we know that this is talking about Jesus' kingship is because the disciples laid their cloaks on the donkey. Now, this was a big deal. If you go back to First and Second Kings and read the story of King Jehu, this was how his kingship, this was one of the things he was known for. Kings didn't just sit on an animal without some kind of buffer because the king was above the animal. And then the way the people um, glorified Jesus and sing his praises as he's coming into town, that's how you welcomed the king. And so everything about the story is saying how Jesus is a king and he has a kingdom. And that's what's going on here. This is the public final proclamation that Jesus is king. You know, if you read in some of the Gospels, you'll find places where the people at times, because Jesus would perform a miracle, the people would want to make him king by force. And Jesus was like, nope, not yet. And so Jesus has been king the whole time, but now he's ready to go public about it, that he is the king and he has a kingdom. And I just want to say for us here that Jesus Christ is a king. He is the king. He is the king of kings, and his kingdom will reign for ever he is the king now when i say jesus is a king what i mean is he is a ruler and a monarch and he has absolute power in his kingdom all right he is the king and he has no rival i think sometimes we kind of think jesus is god and satan is his opposite nobody is the opposite of god he's it Satan is not the opposite of God. He is king, and there is nobody even close to him, okay? He is the king, which means he rules all. He has all authority. His word is final. His will is to be done. All are to serve him, glorify him, and live for him. And his kingdom is to be advanced on the earth. That's what it means to say Jesus is the king. He is the king of kings. And that's what's going on here on Palm Sunday is Jesus is finally making that known to everybody that he has a king or that he is a king and he has a kingdom. Now, the reason this scripture passage is important for us is this. You know, we talked earlier, there seems to be some kind of way that we're kind of drawn to this idea in the kingdom. And I would say to you that we are created by God to have a king and a kingdom, that we would live for a king and a kingdom. This is how God has made us. It's just part of our DNA. That's why we're drawn to this idea of a monarch. This is really something that's deep inside of us. Now, the problem is, for some people, they have the wrong king and they live for the wrong kingdom. Some people, for example, their king is their job. And that's what they live for. And their kingdom is to advance in their job and become great at their job no matter what. Nothing wrong with having a good job and working hard. That's not to be your king and your kingdom. For some people, their king is money, and they live for money and making money, and that's their kingdom. For others, their king and their kingdom is somebody they love and that relationship. I'll say this, you know, and you might disagree with me. I really do believe that we are made for a king and a kingdom, and I think this is part of the reason people are so, some people at least, are so diehard committed to their politics. 
is there is something in us that wants to live for a king and a kingdom. And I'm not bashing any president or presidential candidate. Who you vote for, that's your business. What I'm saying is there is something in people that wants this person to be the leader and their agenda to be their kingdom. And so I think that's why people can be so diehard about their politics, because we are made to live for a king and a kingdom. And what we want to always do, both as Christians, and for those of you in here, maybe you're not a Christian yet. We are made for Christ to be the king and to live for his kingdom. That that would always be first in our lives. And that would be the king and the kingdom that we live for. And let me say this too. You and I will absolutely, every single person, this is true, you will live and I will live for a king and a kingdom. Every one of us will do that. It's just the question is, who's your king and what's your kingdom? And my prayer and God's heart for us is that Christ would be king and that we would live for his kingdom. That his is the kingship and his is the kingdom. I read a story once about a man who was a servant to the king of England. And he was a servant in a palace. He served the king. And that was his life. That was his king and that was his kingdom. And then he went to church. He actually became a Christian. And then he wanted to become a missionary. He was going to leave his spot in the palace and go be a missionary. And people thought he was nuts because he was a servant of the king. He lived near the palace. That was a pretty good life. And they asked him, they're like, you know, what are you doing? Why are you leaving the king to go be a missionary? And he said, I was made to live for a king and a kingdom. And I can either serve the king of England or Christ the king. And I choose Christ. And that's the heart that we want to have. And that's the life we want to live is because we are made for a king and a kingdom. And that Christ would be that for us and his kingdom would be our kingdom. And what's important to understand, and this is huge, and it's the light of Holy Week, is this. The reason that Jesus is the king and we live for his kingdom is because what happens and what we remember this Friday is the cross. It's because of the cross that we are to live for Jesus, that he is to be our king and we're to be our kingdom. All right? I just want you to picture this. Jesus Christ is king. And just to think about what takes place on Friday when we remember Jesus dying. The king was arrested. The king was mocked. The king was tortured. The king was beaten. The king was whipped 39 times. The king had a thorn of crowns placed in his head. The king was nailed to a cross. All the wrath of God for sin was released on the king. The king shed his royal blood. The king suffocated to death. And the king died the death that you and I deserve. That's the kind of king you can live for. And that's the only kind of king you should live for. Because of the cross, Jesus is the king. And his kingdom is the only kingdom. It's the only one worthy. And that's who we live for. And that's what our lives are to be about. A king that would die for you is a king you can live for. And that's what you and I are made for. And that's something that is deep in our hearts. Jesus is the king and his kingdom is our kingdom. And so for us here today, we just have to acknowledge the reality that we live in a monarchy. Spiritually, we live in a monarchy, that we live under the reign and rule of a king. Jesus is king, and he's in charge. 
and this is what we're made for. In Luke twenty two twenty nine, 29, Jesus said, I confer on you a kingdom. And so we are in the kingdom of God, and Christ is the king. You know, it's kind of interesting. If you ask a lot of people in America, you know, hey, are you a Christian? A lot of people will say yes. But if you ask people, well, do you live under the reign and rule of a king, which is what Christians are supposed to do? That answer changes real fast. And they're like, well, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm a Christian. And it's like, but no. Christians, we live under the reign and rule of the king because we are a part of God's kingdom, and he is the king. This is our reality. And so that all of our lives and all that we are are for this king and for this kingdom. And so since this is our reality, I would say five things we always need to remember and do as part of this kingdom and having this king. Number one, we glorify the king. Every part of our lives, we glorify the king. Everything is about the glory of Jesus. Number two, we obey the king. We always do what Jesus says. We strive for 100% obedience. And number three, we serve the king. We are Jesus' subjects and we are his servants. And fourth, I would say we die for the king. What I mean is we die to ourselves and to our flesh and to our sin and live for him in Christ's likeness. And fifthly, and lastly, I would say we advance his kingdom, that we spread the gospel and we advance the kingdom of God, that we bring heaven to earth. This is who we are, and this is what we do. And on Palm Sunday, as we remember the announcement of Jesus' kingship and kingdom, we commit ourselves to these five things, that we would live these five things out each and every day. Jesus is the king of all that we are and all that we have and all that we do. And we are to use all that we are and all that we have and all that we do to advance his kingdom. This is our reality, and this is our life. One time I was having tea with one of my nieces and um, she dressed up like a princess, as little girls like to do, and we drank a ton of invisible tea. Um, we, uh, it was good. She, made, she has just the right amount of lemon in it. And so we were playing and after a while I was like, yeah, you know what, okay, this is fun, let's clean up. And she just looked at me and she goes, Hank, I'm the princess, this is my kingdom, we're not done. I was like, well said, okay, we'll keep going. But this is the heart of what we're talking about, that Christ is our king and we live in his kingdom, that he is the king and his is the kingdom. And so as we kick off Holy Week, we just begin by acknowledging the kingship and the kingdom of Jesus. And like I said, we all have this desire to live for a king and for a kingdom, and we're to do that in Christ. And so today, as we enjoy and celebrate Palm Sunday. We acknowledge and agree with the story we read in Matthew 21 that Christ is king and his is the kingdom. And so as we look to the cross this week and as we look to Resurrection Sunday, we live for a king and a kingdom because of those things. And this is the focus and center of our lives, that Christ is the king and we live for his kingdom. So I want to give you some homework this week, a couple things I want you to do couple of questions I want you to ask and try to answer and then do something with them. So in light of this whole thing of a king and a kingdom, ask yourself these two questions. What? Number one, what are some ways I can make Jesus more the king of my life? And then what are some things you can do to surrender more, to be more submitted to him? And the second thing to ask yourself is, what are some ways that I can advance his kingdom? And 
what can you be doing? What can I be doing to make this happen? I mean, I'll just be honest with you guys. One thing that God has been putting on my heart that I need to do better about is, you know, I work at a church, so I'm around Christians most of the day. But uh, when I go to the gym, I'm surrounded by people who don't go to church. And God has been kind of prodding me about building relationships with some of those people, you know, and being a vessel to reach out to them. And I haven't done a great job, and I need to do that. That is one way that I can better advance the kingdom. And so what I want you to do is I want you to take these two questions and just ask them and see what the Holy Spirit brings up to you. And then do something about it this week. That's our homework, and that's what we want to do. And so I want us to wrap up our service this way. I'm going to go ahead and invite the band back on up. We're going to close with a worship song. And so I know normally when we end a service, you know, we say, if you want to come down to the altar and pray, we want you to. And we love it when that happens. But I want us to kind of take a different approach this week. As we kick off Holy Week here on Palm Sunday, and as we look to the cross and the resurrection, and as we talk about the king and kingship of Jesus today, what we're going to do is we're going to end with a song that y'all probably know, Jesus Paid It All, which is an awesome song. And so we just want to end today to really worship as we announce and agree with the kingship of Jesus, and as we look to the cross, we want to honor the king today as we look to the cross and the resurrection. So really, really want to go after the Lord in this closing song and just honor him and bless the king because the king died and the king rose. And that's how the Holy Spirit, I think, wants us to wrap up this service today.